This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, February 19th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. A nightmare scenario is now unfolding in Ukraine. Unrest has been growing for some time, and with protests now in Kiev, political leaders have labeled protesters as extremists and terrorists and promised a broader crackdown. Dalibor Rohak is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity. We spoke today. Last year, Ukraine... uh Ukrainian government walked away from a trade deal with the European Union after Russia threatened to increase natural gas price. Uh, And that triggered a massive wave of popular unrest, especially in the west part of the country when people went to the streets. And in Kiev, they went to the main square, the independent square, the Maidan, as it is called these days, and started uh, to occupy and refused to... uh, go away unless the government uh, honored its its agreement with, with the EU. Um, and, and and the regime initially tried to suppress that that that, that civil unrest, uh, then tried to negotiate it away in a way, unsuccessfully. And and finally this week the government uh, essentially called in the security forces to to clear the square and and, and to sort of chase the protesters away. Uh, So far, the government has not been successful, but uh, there have been reports of um, sort of security intensifying. Uh, Government is calling the protesters terrorists, which is a sort of distinct change in rhetoric. And there is an attempt to just suppress the the dissenting voices through force. All right. Well, if you wouldn't mind, just lay out in one or two minutes the what is the situation there and what has what brought it about? Okay, um, so what we are seeing these days is an attempt by the government to disperse uh, the protesters from, from the independence square in Kiev, the Maidan. Um, there was one attempt last night which was unsuccessful yet, which, which brought about uh, 25 uh, deaths. Um, and the government reportedly is attempting to replicate the same thing Tonight, we've heard reports of of the president sacking the head of of the armed forces. It's not clear what the exact significance of that move is, but the big picture, um, in my view, is that there is this government uh, that's using force against its own citizens. Um, it's acting as uh, essentially as a, as a pawn used by the Russians, um, and 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 it's really pivotal moment for Ukraine. It's a moment where they decide uh, whether the country will try to follow the transitional path followed by other Eastern European countries that have made it successfully into the EU and towards uh, open political system and market economy, or whether Ukraine is going to remain uh, Russia's client state. What is the role of Vladimir Putin in all of this? Um, We should make no mistake about the involvement of, 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 of Kremlin which is to say that this is not just an internally Ukrainian problem. This is not just an internally Ukrainian dilemma. Um, after the f- after the fall of 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 the Soviet Union, uh, Vladimir Putin this described once as as the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. And clearly, he um, believes that Russia does have legitimate interests. In Ukraine, he does believe that Ukraine is part of of Russia's sphere of influence. So, for many years, uh, the Russian government has been using 
natural gas price as a tool with which they exercised influence over Ukrainian affairs. And last year, uh, they essentially threatened to raise gas prices unless Ukrainians walked away from a free trade agreement with the European Union, which Yanukovych obediently did in the end, triggering this massive popular unrest, which, which we are seeing unfolding in the country these days. Who is Viktor Yanukovych? Viktor Yanukovych is one of these Ukrainian politicians of the old generation. He uh, was part of the Communist Party. He demonstrably has close links to um, to, to, to Moscow. And, and, and people say that he doesn't really have that much independent agency of his own in this process, that he really uh, is following his puppet master in, in Moscow. In any kind of mass protest in a country that is uh, riddled with strife, there are different interests at work. Is there anything connecting all of them with respect to what they want out of the government and out of uh, the Kremlin specifically? Well, Ukrainian society certainly is divided, partly because it has a sizable Russian population, which has not been involved uh, to a large extent in in, 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 these, in this protest movement. When you look at the opposition itself, clearly that has attracted many different streams of thought, uh, some of them um, less savory than others. Uh, but the vast majority uh, of people who are in the streets today are people who simply don't think that the continuation of the status quo in Ukraine uh, as, a, as a Russia's uh, client state is sustainable and would like to see closer ties with Europe, would see would like to see a transition towards an open political system and, and a market economy. Is there anything that the EU can do in the short term to bring this to an end? I think that, uh, there is a role for targeted sanctions against members of the regime, against its most prominent uh, supporters from, 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 from the ranks of the oligarchs. Things like travel bans and asset freezes have their role. But ultimately, I think Europeans need to step up in articulating um, the alternative that the Ukrainians have to being Russia's uh, client state. There needs to be a clear timeline on when and how Ukraine would uh, be able to access the EU. And I think there should be a deliberate attempt to provide the Ukrainians with the membership, uh, with, with the benefits of the membership in terms of free trade, free movement of people, free movement of capital, and so on, uh, even before uh, that membership actually takes place, uh, so that there is a clear incentive for Ukrainian leadership to, to, to proceed with the necessary reforms, both in the political and economic sphere. Dalibor Rohak is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.